Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Rams fans, welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing Your Independent Derby County Fans Podcast. I am Richard Kutcher and the League One promotion race has tightened up again with only one of the top four winning at the weekend as Derby went down 2-1 at Oakwell and in the process opened the door for Barnsley to make a late dash for the top two. There are just 12 games to go for the Rams and we remain in second, but it is truly squeaky bum time and another loss to a promotion rival raises more questions about our prospects for the running. Joining me this Sunday morning is Tom Martin. Tom, how are you doing this crisp late winter morning? Uh, yeah, very well. Thank you, Kutch. I got up nice and early with my little boy and was uh, thoroughly enjoying uh, Crawley and Root compiling some good runs for England. However, since since breakfast, it's gone slightly downhill and uh, everything is stagnated. But apart from that, I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah we, yeah, we were considering kind of building this podcast recording around maybe England's innings. But um, yeah, it's not great watching right now. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll put that aside. Anton, uh, welcome back onto the pod. Yeah, cheers, Gats. Definitely starting to get those end of season nerves and tension now. It uh, feels very much like we're, we're well and truly in the in the running phase of the season, aren't we? Yeah, it does. Every, every, every point, every win, every loss seems to have to double and it is just so tight at the top, which which we'll come on to. So despite a, four, a poor first half display, I thought Derby did take the lead on Saturday. Sonny Bradley getting on the end of consecutive corners to eventually get one over the line for his first goal in a Rams shirt. Incredible celebration scenes in that packed away end, as you'd expect. And yeah, maybe maybe misplaced optimism, but I was kind of hoping that we'd kick on from there, having kind of got the lead against a run of play. But as we've seen so often this season, Derby get that lead. They don't kick on. They hand back any kind of momentum they may have had. And Barnsley equalised 15 minutes later through Adam Phillips' decent half volley when he seemed to have far too much time and space on the edge of the box to pick his spot. Despite continued sloppiness on the ball, I thought Derby did improve second half, but the tempo remained high throughout that whole game. And it was the Tykes who got the winner. Phillips, again, the man who was unmarked, this time from a corner to, to head home quite neatly. 
Anton, as I touched on just there, it was a it was a really high tempo game. I think one of the possibly most high tempo games I've seen Derby play this season. Probably the Peterborough game at home was kind of similar, but obviously that game had much more quality. Not a lot of control from either side or, or quality, to be honest. Uh, but I did think it was entertaining. Not that that's any kind of consolation. So, Anton, what what went wrong, or, or what did you think was missing from Derby's performance yesterday to secure the win or, or even a point? Yeah, it, it was definitely frantic. It, it felt a bit like a playoff semi-final game in a way, didn't it? Because the, the atmosphere sounded yeah. incredible. We obviously weren't there, but we, we took 5,000 fans down there. They sounded incredible. The home fans did, played their part as well. And there was that kind of nervousness and kind of chaotic, chaotic nature on the ball from both sides, really, that made it quite entertaining, but also quite difficult to watch at times. I think in terms of the way Derby set up, it was quite similar to to what we've seen throughout the season away from home, which has actually served us pretty well throughout the season. It was very similar to the the one one nil away victory at Charlton and, and and various others as well. We got that goal and we looked to just almost soak up a lot of pressure. And we defended pretty well at times, but there were just a couple of mistakes which crept in. But I, I think the main difference in our performance yesterday was that the the attacking players just simply didn't turn up. There were so many loose passes, poor decision-making on the ball. Yes, the the lack of striker didn't help because we didn't have that focal point to just hold up play and just calm things down a little bit. But the amount of times we just gave it away very cheaply, and I don't think I, I wouldn't single out any one player for this. It was just a collective, just poor performance. So, I mean, hopefully you can just chalk that one down to a bit of a one-off because I think mentality wise it, it was fine they were they seemed well up for it there was there was kind of good levels of energy and and, and passion it was just a lack of quality at the times let us down going forward yeah on, on that sloppiness i think yeah i, I don't want to we'll talk about a few individuals later and i think you're right but it was kind of a, a team-wide problem i don't think anyone was particularly better than others in terms of not being not being so sloppy i think there's a couple of examples of like of us even doing good things and then it falling apart because of sloppiness. I think there's a, a run. I think it was second half. Kane Wilson made an absolutely incredible run. Maybe it was first half, actually. Really great run and then just kind of kicked it out of play. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He did that a few times, actually. It wasn't his best game yesterday up until the last five minutes. Yeah, well, I was interested about Kane because the last 10, 15 minutes, Anton, he had the beating of that fullback every single time. He was literally walking around yeah. him, wasn't he? He was beating him so easily. It's like, where was that the rest of the game? Yeah, exactly. But then even when he did that, it was just a bit of like poor decision-making at the end. He either took too long to get it in or, or yeah, just passed it out in, in some cases. But it's, it's a shame we didn't see that for the rest of the game. We've had that a few times this season, really, where we've looked poor until we've gone behind and then suddenly we've mm. we've kind of kicked into gear. It's probably a nature of playing away from home, right? You want to you wanna keep it fairly tight up until you're, you're losing and then you can kick on. So it's it's a difficult one. I'd, I'd like us to be a little bit more adventurous away from home, but at the same time, you can't really argue with our away record. I think we're, we're, we're still seconds in the table on, on away form. So it may not be the prettiest, but at times it's fairly effective. 
I think it's the nature of be wanting to be effective. Uh, sorry, more on the front foot and more like in control of things, both at home and away. We seem to sort of like, if we score early, we then seem to just sort of like sit back in and, and set the pressure up, which which does work sometimes, but it, it always leaves you open to a, a moment of brilliance, which is what happened when uh, I think it was Adam Phillips scored the uh, the equaliser. It, it is a great strike. And it's one of those that the same thing could happen 10 more times and he blazes it over the crossbar, but this time he puts it into the back of the net. And it's like, Derby just seemed to... Yeah, as, as you say, like we, we go and we keep it tight and then we might nick a goal and then sometimes we hold on like we did, say, for example, against Charlton without necessarily looking like adding to adding a second. And sometimes we don't. And then when uh, the team does equalise, we then look, there's only one team that's going to go and score the winner. And unfortunately, that's been system, symptomatic of the of the season, I would say. Despite the fact we're second, it's the same old problems that we're talking about. And it's a, I feel like we're repeating ourselves again and again. If we go back to the Peterborough game, for example, we score with in what the first 30 seconds or so um, and then we just don't really look like necessarily adding to that until Peterborough equalised and then we, we kick back into gear again but as soon as Pete, Peterborough scored to make it 2-2 that day there was only going to be one team that was going to go on and nick that winner uh, and it definitely wasn't Derby and that unfortunately is what's going to cost us at the end of the season unless we can try, start to change that. Tom, you mentioned obviously the goals, so let's uh, let's actually talk talk about them in some more detail. And I remember back in the early days of of Steve Blue as Washington, you and I would do uh, quite a lot of kind of deep dive analysis of of our defensive failings. And to be honest, there hasn't been too many opportunities to do that this season because Derby's defensive record has been has been very good, one of the best in the best in the in the league. Um, and yesterday we had three very capable centre backs on the pitch. And on that first goal, you're right; it's a really good. Really good finish, emphatic finish from from Adam Phillips, 20 yards out. But at the same time, he did seem like he had an absolute age to pick his spot. And there were definitely, uh, I think Anton raised it on the Discord and a few others. There was, you know, question marks over the, the midfield and where they were. I mean, in the lead up to that goal, Ebo Adams kind of loses out a 50-50, tries to make a tackle, just misses out down that left-hand channel. So he he's out there. He's kind of accounted for. You see Harahan busting a gut to get back, and he and he drops straight into that defensive line on the right hand side of the right hand side of a defence, and then you suddenly got a situation where Elder, Cashin, Nelson, Bradley, and I imagine probably Wilson, but I think he's probably out of shot, are all kind of like almost like a back six, and that just leaves so much space when the ball does fall to Phillips, and it's Elder and Bradley. They don't look at each other, but they both hesitate to think, should we go and close it down? And I think that's what gives Phillips just that extra half a second, extra yard or two to kind of take his time, pick a spot and strike it. Is, is that how you saw it, Tom? Could it have been avoided? Because I think maybe Elder hesitates because there's a man to his left, so he doesn't want to leave that man open to his left. But I think Bradley probably does need to get out quicker. I don't think it should be Bradley that should be closing that down. That should be a midfielder on the edge of the box winning that second ball. Like Quite simply, I don't know what Howard's doing back in there. He's next to Bradley on the other side of the of the, um, the Barnsley forward. Um, and actually... Bradley, Bradley's well capable of marshalling, marshalling him and I think Howland should be out, out the box and not inside the box. There was no need for him. He's not following a man or anything from what I could see on that, that replay. I was trying to work out where Adams was. So if he lost that tackle out in the wide um, area, that's that's kind of where he, where he was. And, and and therefore, perhaps Howland should have been out or maybe one of Bird or Sibley should have been dropping into the, the pocket because um, we clearly were, were a bit over. A bit sort of done over in terms of the amount of players that were were coming into the box and around the edge, but there was way too much time and space. And if I'm going to be really harsh, Cashin's head is not good enough. Um, he's under no pressure. Uh, he he looks like he's stretching a little bit, but 
the ball goes up in the air. It doesn't go any distance. He's about 12 yards out when he makes contact with that ball and it goes to about 20 yards out. If you're going to get rid of that, it needs to go wider at that sort of depth or it needs to go further out and it does neither. So for me, Cashin needs to head that, that ball into a better area. And secondly, I think Howerhun or someone else needs to be on the edge of that box, but I'm looking at Howerhun for that. I think that's harsh on, harsh on Cashin, to be honest. He's, he's got a pretty good contact on it and he, he defended it well. As long as you've got men in and around the, the edge of the box, then then that's normally dealt with. I think it goes up rather than going yeah, out. But, it doesn't, doesn't get yeah. any distance and it doesn't go wide enough. So if he's going to head it up because he's stretching, it needs to go wider. And if it needs to go for a corner, it needs to go for a corner. He puts the ball straight back into the middle of the goal on the edge of the box. And like, yes, there's no one there, but it's, it's not good enough. It's not a good enough bit of defending for me. Fine, but the, the ball's whipped in. Get like get good contact on it. Get it out out of the box, and then deal with it from there. That's that's my view on that. On on the midfielders, catch is right. Ebu Adams, who who lost the ball originally, actually took up a pretty good position. He, he tracked it out wide. Harrahan doesn't need to drop into that back line. You've got three centre backs on the pitch. Just just pull out and and fill that space. And I think Bird also gets caught ball watching a little bit. You see him tracking back, and he just kind of trots over to the to the wide area where we've already got Wilson and Ebu Adams and maybe even one other out there. If he drops in, yes, he might not have time to get back, but then you've got Bird and Harahan covering that covering that edge of the box. And it's it's gonna take an incredible strike from there, but the more time you give someone to to set themselves and get in the position to shoot from 20, 25 yards, it increases the odds massively. So you've just got to prevent that any way you can. I think you're right, Tom. I think Harahan probably is is partly at fault because he, he he races back into the wrong part of the defensive line. However, I thought the whole point of a back three is there should be a spare centre back that can do things like closing down on the edge of the box and race mm. out race out to close down there. And that's why I just thought. And maybe it's harsh on Bradley because it is maybe only half a second hesitation, and maybe it wouldn't have made a difference. But I, for me, it felt like he was the obvious man in the moment. Yes, Harahan is out of position, but in the moment, in the situation he found himself in, could he have got out there a bit quicker? I've just uh, gone back to have a look at the the highlight of it and try and try and uh, find the goal at the point where Phillips takes the ball down. There are. Seven, maybe eight, if you include. I think it's Bird on the le- on the the Derby right hand side, who's about level with Phillips. He's nowhere near the the play to intercept it. But there are definitely seven Derby players behind the ball uh, between Phillips and the goal. There are only two Barnsley players in the box and one just on the edge. So three players in front of Phillips. So you're basically looking at seven v three there. Like the, Howerhun yeah. drops back in. I've, I've looked at it again. He's got no reason to be in there because. It's Cashin and Bradley against the one centre forward as the ball comes into the box and Howard drops in. If he stays on the edge of the box and holds his position, then I think Derby would have been absolutely fine. And I still I still don't think it's a good enough header on that 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 thing. But then maybe I'm being harsh on Cashin. Uh, there. He's a great defender, don't get me wrong, and I just think he could do do a bit better. I, I thought a few times yesterday he he did have a few poor clearances yesterday to honest, uh, a few a few interesting headers but I think I think that was all of them I think it was just a lot of sloppiness um, alright we spent more time on that one goal than I thought we would <laughs> regarding the corner <laughs> Tom um, uh, I think that's a bit more straightforward right just very very sloppy Adam Phillips gets completely clear I think he's got about three yards of space around him when he heads that ball yeah, it's a good header again angled you know going back the other way um, it's a good header but uncharacteristically sloppy set piece defending from Derby 
Yeah, I think so. Um, it looks like Cushion, Cushion, I think, actually jumps higher than him, it seems. But he just seems to not quite get to the pitch of the ball. And then uh, Phillips is a good header, isn't it? So you've got to give him credit for that. He scored two good goals. Um, it's frustrating because he's not the biggest of lads, but um, he's managed to beat Cushion, who's who's generally pretty good in the air at the near post. And yeah, it's a well-worked set piece set piece routine. But looking back on the replay on that one as well, Cushion does jump higher than him. It just he doesn't get to the ball and therefore flicks it in. Um, no chance of Wildsmith on that one. So yeah, I don't think there's, I don't really think there's too much you can do about that one unless, unless you win that first ball and, and we didn't there in that occasion. So we asked you, our listeners, for what you made of Derby's 2-1 defeat at Barnsley in our usual five-word reviews. And as ever, you gave us plenty of responses, a mixed bag as ever, some optimistic, some pessimistic, some angry, some quite chilled. Uh, Chris Hill says, now a four-horse race. We'll come on to that a bit later. Uh, Charlie, most unconvincing promotion campaign ever question mark uh, classic only child one of our patrons striker absence means playoffs loom uh, Sunil says eight wins from 12 enough question mark Norway mark at least we're still second uh, what else we got uh, Tom Newton needed not to lose it and a surprising one here well surprising one for me anyway James Laurie says get Vickers back in net not sure Wildsmith was at fault for the goals but as we'll come on to, didn't have great distribution yesterday. Um, Dave Lister, not enough quality when it matters or when matters. Uh, and James Atkin, worn ball isn't promotion winning. Well, we are still in the top two, James, and I take your point, but we are still top two. We have got two more big games against our direct promotion rivals to come. Obviously, two of 12 matches, so they're not the most important, but I think they're pretty important. Bolton at home, on the 16th of March and Portsmouth away on Easter Monday. Losing yesterday, Anton, I think maybe raises more questions about our ability to win those crunch matches. And there must be a concern that that is what could ultimately cost us or be the difference of getting top two or not. Do you see that as a, as, as a specific problem that we have or, or are you still confident we are capable of picking up points when those two potentially season-defining matches come around? I don't see it as as big a problem as it maybe has been in in more recent seasons. I, I don't think yesterday's defeat was was necessarily down to to mentality or the way that the team was set up. It was just sloppiness on the ball and, and a lot of players not turning up, which you can't really account for in any kind of preparation for for the game. So um, I don't think it was a it was a mentality thing. I actually went back to look through all of our results this season against the. The top eight, I extended it to, because although you normally look at the top six in these kind of things, I think you can easily include Stevenage and Blackpool in the, the quotes, big games this season. And actually, a record's pretty balanced. Against Barnsley, we won one, lost one. Against Peterborough, won one, lost one. Oxford, won one, lost one. Stevenage, won one, lost one. And then with, with Blackpool, Bolton and Pompey, we still obviously have the return fixtures to play. But we beat Blackpool, we drew against Pompey, we lost against Bolton. So quite a lot of mm. mixed results there. And actually looking at the the um, teams currently occupying the playoff spots, if it if it does get to that point... Of those we've played two legs against, we would have beaten Barnsley over two legs, 4-2. We would have beaten Peterborough over two legs, 6-5. And we would have drawn 4-all against 
Oxford, some some absolute classic play, great some playoff absolute, ties, great playoff ties. Those some classic <laughs> ones in there. So so I mean, it, it fills you with a little bit more confidence. So over the course of those eleven games, fifteen points, five wins, one draw, five defeats. What what struck me most actually was was the number of goals in those games. Twenty one goals for, eighteen goals mm. against. So averaging kind of almost two almost two goals a game. Uh, scoring and not far shy of that conceding. So some interesting stats there. I, I don't think that necessarily points to the fact that we can't play against those big teams. Yes, there's room for improvement, but um, I think we're, we're always in those games. I think we've scored in every single game against the top eight as well, which is is definitely a positive. Yeah, that's really interesting, Anton. And uh, yeah, it definitely gives me more optimism. So if that is a pretty consistent a record as well in terms of kind of win one, lose one against each of those. And if that was to follow out, that means we're going to beat Bolton and we're going to draw against Pompey, which I think we'd take that, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see, even if we stay par for the course on, on that performance against our um, kind of top, top eight rivals, then that's that feels like uh, what could be a good outcome. Uh, Tom, obviously... How do you feel about that? Do you think it is a mentality problem? Is it a tactical problem? Or is it just, you know what, these are teams which are similar ability to ours. And so ultimately, it's going to be kind of win one, lose one against these guys. Yeah, I think it's a mix of the third and second point there. Um, really, I don't think, I agree with Hunter. I don't think mentality is is wrong. You can see how up for it the Derby players have been, especially in recent weeks. But like the celebration and being sort of, putting big tackles in, I, I don't think I can criticise the, the effort. It's maybe the application that's gone wrong. Um in terms of like the quality of the teams, yeah, like uh, whenever you read on social media after like a, one of the games, like Portsmouth fans, yes, they were really frustrated. Um, Bolton fans obviously lost losing to Blackpool, a, a sort of a, a bit of a local derby there, um, and frustrated that they've they've not they've not um, come away with something, and they've been on a good run. Barnsley themselves have only lost once in fifteen games, so teams will go through different bits of form over the season, and I think no one's quite good enough to run away with it. But there's a massive gap between the top teams and the bottom teams in this division. Um, there's some real dross, but there's also some like relatively mediocre, decent stuff. And I would put Derby in that bracket where all Derby fans seem to be quite frustrated with how we are, but we're second in the league, which is incredible. Um, scoring just about two points a game, which is which is pretty much promotion form. Right? We're on course for 90 points in a season, which I believe would be a record point haul for Derby. Uh, and then there's still people who are disgruntled. And, and that kind of includes myself, even from the comments on this pod. Right, It's not quite been as good as it could have been is the way that I kind of feel about it. I also, I'm not sure, I'm still not sure about the three at the back and a 5-3-2. Um, I think all the back three are playing, and I've given Cash in a bit of a go go today, but I think all the back three are good players and have also been playing quite well. Um, Bradley's been in his best form in the Derby shirt most recently, and Cashin and Nelson have been good together. I think it comes from the, the symptom of the fact that we don't have him on the front, so we can't play a 4-3-2 uh, 4-3-1-2 or 4-1-3-2 or something like that. Um, there's not enough confidence in Barkhausen and Sibley to consistently put in performances game after game. Um, and as a result, we're like, right, okay, let's let's play the system that Warren prefers. But I don't think it works for us. And I think we end up looking a bit a bit flat and a bit vulnerable. Um, and I don't think the players necessarily know how to do it. So for me, it's a mix of that second and third point you make. Yeah, I thought we'll have a little bit of a chat in depth about the kind of three five two and the performance of the Sonny Bradley. And I was going to make the point later that it is ironic that we've kind of gone to a three five two as part of the solution to losing James Collins when we now have zero strikers, but we're, we're trying to play two. 
Anyway, more about that in the second half. And don't forget, you can support SBW on Patreon. You'll get bonus episodes, exclusive competitions, and you can join our private Discord community. And all patrons get a discount on our range of SBW Derby County beer mats. So simply head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing and join for as little as £3 per month to claim all of those great benefits. Martin. Low. And again. Delivers with his weaker foot. Patterson. Martin! Out of the wilderness! Onto the score sheet! Chris Martin! May well have salvaged Derby County! The most unlikely of points here! Hi there, we county fans. I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mart Poom. And you are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So obviously yesterday was uh, a real blow uh, to our run-in, but, you know, not uh, deadly. Because I think it's important to note, uh, I think, that Bolton did get absolutely humped 4-1 and had a man sent off away at Blackpool. Imagine their meltdown this morning. It's a little bit more extreme than ours. Um, while Pompey did drop points at the Valley, having gone on a good winning run. So the big beneficiary of the weekend, of course, was Barnsley themselves, who have made up ground on us and the other two above them to make this definitely, I think, definitely, I think, is obviously a contradiction in terms, but definitely a four-horse race again, taking the place of Peterborough, who were themselves amongst the most fancy just last month. So I guess it shows that there is plenty of twists and turns to come. And while Portsmouth are certainly the best place, it really is all to play for, for if someone, hopefully Derby can just string together, you know, one more kind of five or six game winning streak. I think that could be the difference. Tom, our next four games look like a great chance to get on such a run. Although we've said that previously this season, we've got Charlton, Port Vale and Reading at home with a trip to Bristol Rovers in there as well. Surely this is the time if we're going to really prove our credentials nailed down that top two spot, we need to be looking at 10, if not 12 points there to cash in, stay in that second spot and go into the Bolton game on, on a really good run. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, 10 to 12 points would be the potential be the minimum we should be aiming for realistically. But you know that football doesn't necessarily work like that. Charlton have obviously got a new manager in and they've got a couple of good points um, in recent games, even though they haven't won for 18, 18 I think it is now. Um, and when Anton, you remember, uh, we t- spoke about it with uh, my friend Padge, who's a Charlton fan uh, at the on the way to the Valley. And he said that... Um, well, we were. I think both of us said that it'd be typical derby to lose against Charlton as they hadn't won. I think for fourteen or fifteen at that point, um, and you could just see that kind of thing happening. Charlton coming to to Bright Park and turning us over. But if we do get that result, and we, we I think we've got Port Vale as well, and then Bristol Rovers. I think uh, are inconsistent. I, I think they um, they were losing to Carlisle, who were rock bottom, and then turned it around late on. Um, if we can get some results against those. Uh, three teams pick up pick up seven to nine points out of those three games. I think I'll be pretty happy. Um, add that add another three onto there, and then we go into Bolton on good form and hopefully still in second place with them to come and attack us because the pressure's on them. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of twists and turns in the next uh, next couple of months. Charlton got a, picked up a good point at the weekend, didn't they? And and Reading are, are certainly much improved in in recent times as well. So I don't think there are necessarily any particularly easy games at this time in the season but 
I did have a look at the run-ins of the top sides uh, between now and the end of the season. Soccer stats do, do a really good bit of analysis of the the teams that everyone's playing in, in the run, run-in and look at the points per game of the opposition, both home and away. So it kind of weights it based on whether you're playing the opposition home or away. Now, Derby's run-in of the teams that we're playing at home between now and the end of the season, those opponents average one point per game exactly in their away matches. And the teams that we're playing away uh, have accumulated 1.61 points per game at home. I know those numbers might not mean that much just in isolation, but I looked at Pompey, Bolton and the, and the other contenders. Portsmouth's uh, numbers are, are much higher than that. So the teams that they're playing at home are, are average 1.43 points per game away from home. And the points per game of the, the teams that they're playing away is 1.77. So they, on paper, have a have a much tougher run in. Bolton's is higher both for their home games and away games. Barnsley and Peterborough is quite similar to... To, to Derby's running. So I, I think that there are still twists and turns. I, I don't think you can fully discard Peterborough from this, to be honest, because I know they've been on a bad run. They've got the quality to to put together a bit of a run, especially if teams around them continue to falter. So there are twists and turns. I, I think it, it just, we've got to put together that run. I think the next couple of weeks are going to be challenging for not just the the games that we're playing, but because of the striker situation, which we'll come on to a little bit later. But we've just got to forget about what people are doing around us and, and just try and continue to to get on those winning runs and, and continue to pick up points. Yeah, that's really good. Again, great, great analysis, Anton, and great, great data. Um people keep assuming it's gonna be it's gonna be ninety points to get top two. I just I just don't don't see it. I think it might be eighty eight, you know, to get top two or eighty seven. I don't think it needs to be ninety uh, to get. I just think Derby, Pompey, and Bolton, who who are the ones that you know most realistically could get to ninety, just don't think any of them look quite consistent enough. Derby and Bolton certainly just keep dropping points. Pompey's form has been really good recently, and they've shown previously in the season they can go on long stretches of lots of one nil wins, and they're kind of churning out very very solid defensively uh, they strengthened well they're, they're still my favorites but i don't think it's going to be as high a points total certainly as last season and i think it's yeah interesting those those numbers of kind of the quality of opposition that all of us have got to play between now and the end of the season i think it probably will come down to how we do against bolton and against Portsmouth. probably most importantly bolton because they're the ones with competing with more directly for that that second spot on the striker issues then, um, Anthony touched on it earlier, but how much do you think we did miss Collins yesterday? I felt that you know, Nathaniel Mendes-Lang and Louis Sibley, they're, they're definitely both not their best games and, and lacking quality. And I think that's fair enough because playing in the front two isn't really their game. But I felt like they didn't really have a defined role. It, it felt very mm-hmm. much like they were just kind of freestyling playing up front without, it didn't seem like they had much instruction, to be honest, or whatever they were told to do didn't seem to be doing it consistently. They weren't, they weren't deliberately holding it up. They weren't often running behind. It seemed like a bit of a confused approach to it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Um, I mean, even James Collins' biggest critics, which I don't think any of us fall into that bucket, but even his biggest critics can probably see over the last couple of games what he brings to this side outside of just his, his pure goal output because um, we, we really do miss that 
focal point up there who someone who can hold up play and, and just give us a bit of a breather and, and bring the wide men into play so we we have missed him in both of the last couple of games as you say I I mean and this is completely fair enough because we've had no time to do it but I don't think we've really worked out how to play without James Collins or certainly how to play without a striker mm. yet because I mean we we went straight into a couple of games in in quick succession so we haven't really had time to to nail down what that looks like I mean we, we were talking on our our Patreon Discord channel just after the James Collins news and and after the, the Dwight Gale news as well and the general consensus was oh, we just need to get through this next couple of weeks really and Barnsley was included in that it's going to be a tough couple of weeks playing without a striker and without really a a well-defined approach but when you've got Gale and hopefully Waghorn getting up to match fitness over the next couple of weeks. I think those two between them can be enough to to see us through kind of rotating those. My only concern, that they've got enough quality without a doubt and give that kind of natural number nine, which allows you to play a natural striker and importantly get the wide men out wide where they're where they're Best. I mean, Mendes Lang clearly is is better out wide than than where he's been playing over the last couple of games. My concern is, even though you've got that quality and, and a bit more structure to the team, is what happens if we if we lose one of those two? Because neither of them can can play ninety minutes week in week out like James Collins did. So we, we absolutely have to keep them fully fit um, if if we're to to hold out much hope. And my other. My other slight concern is they're two very different players to James Collins. Neither of them will be kind of bullying defenders, holding up play in the same way that James Collins did. So we do need to find a slightly different approach to how we how we get the ball forward and also how we get the ball into the box. We're not going to be able to just send in crosses aimlessly anymore. We're going to have to be a bit more cute with it kind of get balls in early or, or get it to the byline and cut it back we've we've seen we've seen us do well doing that in in recent times Kane Wilson I think does it really well obviously Sibley's goal last week um, was very similar to that so we'll have to find a slightly different way of playing um, early on in the season we played with Wycorn and Washington so that we, we can do it but having had such a long period of time with James Collins as the focal point and playing in that style of play I think it will take a couple of weeks to get used to so get through this couple of weeks and then we'll take it from there striker position has really been kind of the cursed part of this team throughout the whole season with James Collins the only real consistent man who's available and and delivering throughout the whole season and I think you know I think we were already singing his praises before the injury but certainly post injury as Anton says it just reinforces how invaluable he is and how ridiculous some of the stick he was getting earlier in the season is as well. Me and Chris always think back to a day away at Peterborough where some absolute slug in front of us was just shouting dogs abuse at James Collins all game for no real good reason. Uh, I imagine he feels pretty silly right now. What do you, what, what, what do you make of the sign of Dwight Gale? Is it, is it just purely an extra body of someone who probably can do some kind of job but isn't necessarily the perfect striker when there isn't one out there? Yeah, I think Gale is a good signing in the in the circumstances. I think it's we didn't have too many options, did we? Having not signed someone in January, um, he's a different type of player, isn't he? To to what Collins is, and even to what Waghorn and and Wash are, he's, he's often relied on his pace. But 
34, that's not going to be the same lightning pace that he's had. So we'll see as he gets into match fitness. He's he's played a few times the under 21s prior to um, leaving Stoke. Um, but obviously getting in with Derby and, and into that first team, he's going to take a bit of time. And he, he didn't do too much yesterday, but that, that wasn't his fault. It was, it was more symptomatic of the whole team's performance. And I think it's going to take three or four games to, to get him to settle in. And I think we're going to have to try and ride this wave uh, with the, some outstanding performances from other individuals. It's about time the likes of Barkhausen and Sibley really, really stood up consistently. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Barkhausen there, Tom, because I, I just thought that, I thought for a while, ever since we signed Barkhausen, that he should have been an option in a front two down the middle. I wouldn't want to play him as a, as a one by himself. He's certainly not a James Collins type, but he certainly has got a history of playing more centrally. And I would have thought he'd be a better option, not that Louis Sibley's done much wrong, but I would have thought he'd be a better, more orthodox option down the middle, Anton, than, than Louis Sibley. What, what do you think about Barkhausen? Are you surprised he hasn't been more of an option playing, in, in, in particularly in a front two when we're playing a 3-5-2? It seems like that's the kind of position where he could have more of an impact. Yeah, potentially. I, I just don't think he's really nailed down a spot anywhere in, in this team. I, I think the, the thing that concerns me slightly from him playing in the the front two or, or up front on his own would be his, his goal output and in, in his finishing ability. We've seen him get into decent positions quite often in this season and um, yeah, it, it doesn't really come of anything. So he'd be a decent option, but I certainly wouldn't want to rely on that long-term, which is why I think Dwight Gale coming in is, is a sensible bit of business, even if it was uh, kind of a little bit forced. One of the more positive bits of news, though, uh, and we've touched a little bit on Martin Waghorn, Warren said uh, post-game that Blackett-Taylor and Martin Waghorn should be available for Tuesday night against Charlton. Obviously, not sure how likely they are to start, uh, but obviously having those options is a positive. Corey Blackett-Taylor has been a really strange one because I think we were all really excited about the signing. It felt like a statement signing. It felt like someone who's going to add real quality should, in theory, have been able to hit the ground running, having played a full part in Charlton season up until this point. But we haven't really seen anything of him so far. He obviously didn't play against Charlton. Warren explained his reasoning for that. He started the game against Exeter, but uh, was taken off at halftime, I think. And, you know, was pretty sloppy and just looked a bit off it. They seem to have said that he's, you know, had some knocks, had some niggles, and they've, they've been treating him kind of with kids' gloves. But to be honest, I think we signed him in January to make an impact this season. So I know that the Derby County recruitment team and Paul Warren gets a lot of stick for signing players who are old and have bad injury records. And in Blackett-Taylor, we went for someone that should have had neither of those problems. But we've kind of ended up in the same situation in signing someone who, for whatever reason, hasn't been available or ready to play. So, Anton, it would be pretty timely, wouldn't it? It could make all the difference if if we could get him on the pitch and he could start making an impact. Yeah, I, I think Blackett-Taylor's still got a huge part to play in this season. I, I think he, he he will have a hugely positive impact once he starts getting on a, on a bit of a run. I mean, he's, he's obviously had a couple of niggles over the last couple of weeks. So I, I think it's the right approach, not rushing him into the team or certainly not rushing him back from injury. Because if, if we were to lose him or Mendes Lang, then that's, that's going to be pretty devastating when you don't have a, a, a fit striker either. I mean, and that that's the importance of getting getting either a Gale or a Waghorn to play in those number nine spots. Because if he can 
can get Mendes Lang and Blackett Taylor firing at the same time, it's not only going to terrify defences and, and create chances for the team, but they've both got goals in them. So I don't think you necessarily need a striker who's going to be scoring 10 goals between now and the end of the season, which is probably slightly unrealistically high anyway. But you don't need no don't need someone to be banging them in because if you're chipping in with goals from the wide positions, if you've got the likes of Bird and, and Sibley chipping in as well, then it's more about setting up that team structure in a way that we're creating chances and scoring goals. It doesn't really matter who it comes from, does it? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. But that's an interesting point because it takes me on to my last question, Tom, which you kind of touched on right at the end of the first half, which is about the formation. And I was going to go into it by obviously talking about the performances of Sonny Bradley in recent weeks, which I think has been a real positive. Obviously got his first goal yesterday. But to play Sonny Bradley, um, which I don't think should be the ultimate aim in itself, but to get Sonny Bradley in a team, which warns teams to want to do at the moment, it needs to be, by the looks of it, in a 3-5-2, which, as I said earlier, is ironic considering we're short of strikers. Do you think, Tom, that Warren is desperate to get back to 3-5-2 no matter what and, and Bradley has a big role to play? Or, as Anton said, is it is it probably more preferable that we have find that number nine solution, whether it's Waghorn or Gale or a combination of both, so we can then get the most out of Nathaniel Mendes-Lang in a, full, in a wide position, Corey Blackett-Taylor, Bart Clouser when he comes on, yeah, Kane Wilson can play in those front three with Nambi at right back. For me, it, if, we ha- if we have a solution to num- number nine, it has to be back to kind of the 4 3 3 with Adams, Bird and Harrowhead in the middle that has served us well in recent weeks with kind of a threatening front three. Yeah, I do agree. I think we need to, I think we need to, personally, I wouldn't be playing the 5 3 2. It doesn't seem to work and we don't have the players for it. And our best players are players who can play wider. Um, Mendes Lang, as, as an example, I think is better out wide than drifting in through the middle and causing problems being difficult to, to pick up. Whereas if he plays just through the middle, he doesn't tend to drift out wide. He tends to do a lot better coming at, uh, from the wide into the into the central area, and we therefore need a focal point. And without a focal point, you, you really struggle to play in that sort of way. And that's why we're trying to play them. I think the five three two to try and have two bodies who are up there who can be a bit fluid and flexible. It's not worked massively well for us. And um, I've never been particularly convinced with Derby playing five three two at any point through the Paul Warren tenure so far. Um, and I'm still not convinced by it as as of as of yesterday. So um, I do think if we can get get someone in the number nine position, um, someone fit, uh, Waggy or Washi, uh, either of those two can come in and, and play that focal man. I think they can. Um, I think they can make a real difference. But until that happens, I think Derby are going to struggle. Okay, well, we will leave it there for this this time. I think we'll be back probably after our next three games. As I said. We've got Charlton, uh, Bristol Rovers and Port Vale. Uh, Charlton, then Port Vale, then Bristol Rovers, I think in that order. So hopefully we'll be back with you after nine points. Still sat in second, unlikely to have caught Pompey by that time. But let's hope we're still in the top two when the next time we're with you. So Tom, uh, all the best. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, Thanks very much. Cheers. And Anton, see you soon. Cheers, Cuts. Let's go and uh, watch England take a few wickets. I hope so, because they're not not taking any right now. But uh, up the Rams. (laughs) 